Good morning, and welcome to Simply Politics. It's Thursday, January 25th. On today's show, Aliko Dangote faces his toughest political challenge despite opening Nigeria refinery, and Ohio lawmakers override the governor's veto of a ban on gender-affirming care for minors. Plus, we'll analyze Biden's bridge to re-election and the Senate GOP's cautious embrace of Trump amid fears over his electability. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Politics. Despite the recent opening of his refinery in Nigeria, Aliko Dangote, Africa's richest man, is facing what could be his toughest political challenge yet. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent, Bella. Can you give us some context on this situation? Certainly, David. Aliko Dangote, a prominent figure in Nigeria's business landscape, has recently opened a refinery in the country. However, this achievement seems to be overshadowed by a mounting political challenge. Unfortunately, the specifics of this political challenge are not detailed in the article. That's interesting. Could you shed some light on the significance of Dangote's refinery in Nigeria? While the article does not provide specific details, Dangote's refinery is a significant development for Nigeria. The country, despite being rich in oil, has long been dependent on imported petroleum products due to a lack of refining capacity. Dangote's refinery could potentially change this dynamic. And what could this political challenge mean for Dangote and his business interests? Again, without specifics from the article, it's hard to say definitively. However, political challenges can often lead to regulatory hurdles, public relations issues, or even changes in the business environment that could impact Dangote's operations. We'll certainly keep an eye on how this situation unfolds. And speaking of unfolding situations, let's turn our attention to the Ohio Senate. The Republican-dominated body has voted to override GOP Governor Mike DeWine's veto of a ban on gender-affirming care for minors. This follows a similar move by the state's House of Representatives earlier this month. The legislation, known as House Bill 68, prohibits gender-affirming care for trans and non-binary youth and restricts transgender athletes from participating in girls' and women's sports teams. The ban is set to take effect in 90 days. Abby, our correspondent for Simply Politics, is here to discuss this further. Can you tell us more about the implications of this ban? Certainly, David. This ban covers a range of treatments and services, including hormone blockers, hormone replacement therapy, certain medical or surgical procedures, and some mental health services. It's a polarizing issue, with several Republican-led states passing similar bans, arguing they protect children. Ohio now joins North Carolina and Louisiana in overriding its governor's veto to enact such restrictions. What was Governor DeWine's stance on this issue? Governor DeWine vetoed the legislation last month, arguing that the state should not be making medical decisions for children. He had been informed by trans adults and parents of trans youth about the potential life-saving benefits of gender-affirming care. However, he did sign an executive order earlier this month banning gender transition surgeries for minors, acknowledging that such procedures are rarely performed on children. How has the public and political reaction been to this override? The reaction has been mixed. Republican state rep Gary Click, the bill's primary sponsor, 
celebrated the Senate vote, stating that the legislation was imperative to save lives, uphold medical ethics, and reaffirm women's rights. However, LGBTQ advocates have criticized the move, arguing that it restricts essential care for trans and non-binary youth. It's worth noting that 2023 saw a record number of anti-LGBTQ bills, many of which target gender-affirming care and sports participation. What does this mean for the future of gender-affirming care in the United States? With the Ohio legislature's vote, at least 20 states now restrict gender-affirming care for minors. This could set a precedent for other states considering similar legislation. However, it's important to note that gender-affirming care is considered the standard of care by many mainstream medical associations, and these bans could face legal challenges. That was Simply Politics reporter Abby providing us with insights on the recent developments in Ohio. Now, as we approach the general election, there's a lot of focus on Donald Trump's voters. However, it may be Joe Biden's voters who hold the key to the election outcome. A potential rematch for the White House between the former and current president is becoming more likely. With Trump's early dominance of the Republican primary process, the spotlight is on the diverse groups of voters who chose Biden in 2020. Their level of enthusiasm and shifting political priorities could be decisive. Celeste, our correspondent for Simply Politics, is here to delve deeper into this. Can you tell us more about the challenges Biden faces? Certainly, David. Biden indeed faces a tough mission. Trump's supporters are enthusiastic and ready for the fight. He has a more formidable political operation now than he did in 2016 or 2020, which he plans to use to expand his pool of Republican voters. Local Republican officials predict that Biden's hopes will be complicated by the return of many Republicans who were repulsed by Trump's conduct in 2020, but now view his presidency more warmly. So, with Trump's rising popularity and the concerns among Democrats about the durability of the support base that carried Biden to the White House, how does Biden plan to counter this? Biden's strategy will need to involve mustering voters from all elements of the traditional Democratic coalition and beyond to defeat Trump again. There are signs that his broad support base is fraying or disengaged, which is causing alarm among his supporters and offering encouragement to Trump. Biden's campaign argues that once Americans are reminded of Trump's aberrant behavior, they will flock back to Biden to prevent the ex-president from returning to power. What about the complexities of incumbency? How does that factor into Biden's re-election strategy? Being an incumbent president comes with its own set of challenges. Every step a president takes can cause a detrimental counter-reaction. Successful presidents constantly have to balance and mitigate the effect of actions they take in the national interest or to advance their own sometimes conflicting positions. Biden is dealing with this delicate balancing act on issues like student loan debt, environmental policies, and the crisis at the southern border. What does the polling data suggest about the durability of Biden's coalition? Biden's approval rating has been at or below 40% for months, which is concerning for a president seeking re-election. Polling data has identified weaknesses among the voters he needs to demonstrate strength. For instance, a CNN survey showed that Biden led Trump among black voters by 50 points, but he won this cohort by 75 points in 2020. The biggest danger for Biden may not be these voters defecting directly to Trump, but that they fail to vote at all. 
thinning his critical margins. Given these challenges, how is the White House planning to court key constituencies and shore up the president's electoral standing? The White House has been accelerating its efforts to court key constituencies. Vice President Kamala Harris has been sent to campaign where she is most effective, including as the key messenger to women voters. Biden, meanwhile, is targeting blue-collar areas where he's long felt comfortable. On Wednesday, he accepted the endorsement of the United Auto Workers Union. His campaign is also working to solidify their 2020 advances while identifying swaths of first-time voters. That was Simply Politics reporter Celeste providing insights into the upcoming general election. Now let's shift our focus to Senator John Cornyn, who has previously expressed skepticism about Donald Trump's 2024 chances, but has now endorsed Trump and called for GOP unity after the New Hampshire primary. However, Cornyn's concern about Trump's electability remains unchanged. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent, James. Can you tell us more about Cornyn's stance and the broader GOP sentiment towards Trump's candidacy? Certainly, David. Senator Cornyn has long held that Trump's appeal is limited to his base and that this could be problematic in a general election. He believes that after a primary, a candidate needs to appeal to a broader audience than just primary voters. This sentiment is echoed by many within the Senate GOP, some of whom still have fresh memories of the 2021 Capitol attack and blame Trump for their failure to take back the majority in the midterms. But despite these reservations, it seems Trump is on a glide path to the nomination. How are Republicans reconciling with this? Indeed, Trump remains a dominant force in GOP politics, and many Republicans are trying to reconcile with this reality. They fear his penchant for controversy and his four criminal indictments could jeopardize their chances at keeping the House and taking back the Senate. Senate GOP whip John Thune, for instance, believes that for Trump to win the general election, he needs to appeal to independent voters and moderate Republicans. What does the New Hampshire GOP primary tell us about Trump's appeal beyond his base? CNN's exit poll of New Hampshire's GOP primary underscores the concern. While Trump dominated with GOP voters, winning about three-quarters of them, he struggled with independents and more moderate voters. In fact, 64% of undeclared voters backed former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, compared to just 35% for Trump. Nearly 9 in 10 Haley voters in the state said they would not be satisfied if Trump were the nominee. What are the implications of this for the GOP in the upcoming elections? Republicans fear that Trump could put off independent voters who are essential to winning battleground House and Senate seats, potentially costing them control of Congress. One swing district House Republican even stated that 20% of GOP voters will not vote for Trump, and that independent voters, while finding Biden weak, dislike Trump. Despite these concerns, some Republicans have endorsed Trump following his victories in Iowa and New Hampshire. What's their rationale? Yes, despite Trump's lackluster showing with more moderate voters, some Republicans believe this will change in the general election, given Biden's poor approval ratings and dissatisfaction with his presidency. They believe Trump will target right-of-center, unaffiliated voters in battleground states. Senator Lindsey Graham, a staunch Trump supporter, believes Trump has a better hand than Biden, although he acknowledges there's a long way to go. What about key Republicans who have been critical of Trump in the past? 
Senate GOP leader Mitch McConnell, whose relationship with Trump soured after he blamed the former president for the January 6, 2021 attack, has refused to take a stand on endorsing Trump. Senator Susan Collins of Maine, who voted to convict Trump in his impeachment trial on a charge of inciting the January 6th insurrection, has said she doesn't see herself endorsing Trump, even if he becomes the eventual Republican nominee. That was Simply Politics reporter James. Thanks for shedding light on this complex issue. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Politics. We'll see you back here tomorrow.